This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey guys, it's Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher, and just want to shout you out. Thank you for all the support. It allows us to go to events like the main event and simultaneously cover Illinois playing the number three football team in the country. Uh, the site growth the last five, six years that we have done this has been awesome. All thanks to your support, uh, whether it's through just listening to the podcast or watching us on YouTube or reading our free stuff, or most importantly, you VIP members, you allow us to cover the team that you love, the teams you love, uh, as well as you deserve. Um, because that that's why I wanted to do this. I thought Illinois athletics could be covered even better in a different way. And you guys have responded really well to that. So can't thank you guys enough. But right now, if you are not a VIP member, now is the time to sign up. Because we have a 75% off first year of annual VIP membership going on right now. It is our Black Friday sale. So you have until Monday, November 28th to sign up and save more than $80 off your VIP membership for the first year. So that's going to cover you through signing day. That's going to cover you through the transfer portal season. That's going to cover you through the whole basketball season, of course. And April has become one of our busiest times with the basketball transfer portal and all that goes with it. And it's just a great time to sign up because Michael Tulip and Jay Lehman, who you hear on this podcast frequently, they do a VIP film room every week that is worth the price of mission alone when it's seven cents a day, which is what it would be if you sign up right now for that VIP membership. So if you've been thinking about an Illini Enquirer VIP membership, now is the time to do it. Let's get on to the podcast. Today on the Online Enquirer podcast, let's talk some hoops because we have learned a lot since the last time we talked to Michael Tulip on this podcast, and he gives his insight into what he saw from Illinois' huge victory against UCLA uh, in the main event in Las Vegas, and what we learned from their close game, though a rough finish in the loss to Virginia, which is now a top five team in the country after they took home that main event title belt. Man, that's a good trophy. That would have been a good one uh, for Brad Underwood and his team uh, to, to come home with that. Probably been a top 10 team in the country if they would have beat Virginia in that championship game and closed it out. But Mike shares his thoughts on Terrence Shannon. Huge performance against UCLA. Not so good uh, against Virginia. But his thoughts on the roster in total. Who he thought uh, could step up even more. What he thought of the freshman not playing a lot like freshmen uh, while they're out in Las Vegas. And then we talk about what's ahead, including a game against Syracuse uh, during the next week uh, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So we get it all from Michael Tuop. He's going to come up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it's time to catch up with Michael too. Get his thoughts on a great event, the main event out in Las Vegas. Illinois goes one and one, beats UCLA, who somebody had to lose two games here, and it was UCLA who falls eleven spots from eight to nineteen. Illinois goes up a couple spots uh, from nineteen to sixteen. Virginia climbs eleven spots in the AP top twenty-five. After winning what was a phenomenal tournament, Baylor uh, loses a couple games. They fall a couple spots. But, Mike, I was there, um, and and it was just a a great event with a lot of talent. And the main takeaway, I guess, is probably that Illinois belonged, right? Yeah, you and I were talking before we got on that that MTE in particular, pound for pound, was probably the best one out there. Maui has some heavy hitters in that field, but – you know, once you throw Louisville in the mix, and uh, I'm not very high on Cincinnati either, but um, as a whole, that tournament was just elite, elite level basketball. And I think that tournament in particular, from Illinois' perspective, it felt different than previous years. And when I say that, the previous two or three years before this, I think you knew what you had, you kind of knew what to expect, and you're operating under the, you know, I guess under the impression of like, okay, all that can happen here is that we get let down, right? We have a really good team or a top 10 team or a top 15 team. But, and then in previous years before that, it's just more, we don't have a ton of talent. We're in the early stage of a rebuild. Maybe we can play spoiler. But you think about that Gonzaga game in Maui a few years ago, right? You're just like, hey, if it happens, it happens. Great. This was different because I think leading up to it, there was just a palpable anticipation. Because not only did you want to see, you know, this Illinois team play, but it's how they were going to fare against an opponent that wasn't Monmouth, that wasn't UMKC, right? That wasn't Eastern Illinois. And, you know, throughout that UCLA game, it was loud, right? I was sitting on my couch. You and I were talking about it. You were there. It was loud. And I think part of that was not only just the the singular performance that the Illinois team that Terrence Shannon was putting on, but it was just kind of this in real time affirmation of what this team can be because I think that's what everybody was waiting to see and I think I think we got it and we got it in a big way on Friday night and although they lost to Virginia on, on Sunday I think there was a lot of really good things to build on there yeah so Mike it's hard to like split these games up now right um but I think we saw uh Terrence Shannon's a dude right he had a bad bad game against Virginia but had one of the best games we've seen in an Illinois uniform against UCLA. Uh, yet Illinois still had a way to win 
against Virginia, despite Shannon having that game. So the fact that you have that guy, but also can have a chance to beat a really good team with a bad game from that guy, that's pretty damn encouraging all the way around. Yeah, and he wasn't a zero in other areas if he wasn't scoring the ball. I think that's the most important thing is you have guys on this team, and we'll get into this later, that are capable scorers. And for Terrence, it just one of the better performances of the entire season thus far mm-hmm. um, in college basketball on Friday. And I'm wondering, eight for nine from three, you know, and, and if there's one team that you're going to go play next that is going to have your number in a lot of different ways because of the way they defend, because of how disciplined they are, it's Virginia. So I was ex- I was excited just to see how he dealt with that because he was going to get a lot of attention. Those gaps were going to be clogged. And, you know, he has six assists. I know there were a few turnovers there, but he facilitated. I thought he still rebounded at a pretty high level. It's the reason why he's close to seven rebounds a game. And that was encouraging because – we looked at, you know, you look in the first half and 80% of your scoring is RJ Melendez and the freshman. And I thought that was a microcosm of what this team can be. You need Terrence to be good. Don't get me wrong. Like you need Terrence to be good night in and night out. That's what your best players do. But the fact that these other guys were able to step up in the way that they did. And part of that goes back to, I'll, I'll start with Sky and Jaden. I've talked about the demeanor time and time again. And it's not just, hey, yeah, they can stay even keel. It's staying even keel because you're going to play games like that in environments like that. And you like the roller coaster guys, and we've seen them before, the roller coaster guys are the ones that can have these massive peaks, massive valleys. And those guys were just steady time and time again. And this early on, that's what's so crazy about it. But back to Terrence, like that's what can allow him to have some drop-off offensively. And he wasn't great from the free throw line. And this team's still in it. So I think moving forward, you you understand you have a guy, you have a potential All-American, but you're not so reliant on that guy that it's feast or famine, depending on how he plays. Derek Piper and I were talking even after we had our wrap-up pod uh, after Virginia, and, and one of our biggest takeaways was the freshman. Jaden Epps was the best freshman at this event. Sky Clark was among, like, you know, see a guy like Amari Bailey, who's a phenomenal talent really struggled in this event. Keontae George, who's probably a lottery guy, really up and down. Um, I thought Sky, almost sometimes to his detriment, was really poised. Um, you know, Sometimes you'd like him to get more aggressive at times, but still just a steady player. And then Jade Nepps can be your number one option and go get you buckets when when your number one guy isn't. like To have multiple of those guys um, and to have those as freshmen be that steady in that kind of environment, Mike, like that's that's going to translate to Big Ten play when you're on the road, right? When when you're in an NCAA tournament, too. Yeah, Coleman talked about it after the game, and I know it was a little bit out of context, misconstrued when he said our, our freshmen can't be freshmen. He's right. Like They have to – this isn't just the natural, hey, you know, get your feet wet, and once Big Ten play rolls around. You've seen they've been thrusted in to this immediately, to be to be counted on immediately. And I, I'm very impressed with Jaden – very impressed. I think he's a guy that if there's one thing you can say for certain is that he was not scared um, in that game against Virginia. Almost to a fault. You could see sometimes he broke some things off and kind of wanted to shoulder it himself. And that's that's something he has to learn and, and get better at. Because I think he can be a good facilitator. 
he just he just can't continue to have these games where he's not really getting anybody else involved and that's his next step right because he's defending well he's playing hard he's scoring the ball it's just hey how can we get other guys involved and and, and you know if you're gonna have the ball in your hand who can you make better Terrence Shannon phenomenal scorer but he makes guys better too and and then I'll go to Sky Sky's numbers right I think he's seven four and three mm-hmm. for the season and it's like time and time again, I'm so impressed by him. He's 53% from the field. He's 42 from three. He has, he's 12 for 12 from the line. Hasn't missed a free throw this year. He's a negative assist to turnover, but I actually think he has like five offensive fouls. So they're not a ton of these live ball turnovers. And look, I think there's times where I like I want to see more out of him. And, and not that like I'm underwhelmed or he's not performing up to expectations. I just think he's capable of it. Yep. And look, he, he can shoot it, man. Like I, That was something I heard out of that practice facility this summer. Like, hey, man, no, he can shoot it. And guys like that, you, you don't want them to be too passive. I, I mean, in the Virginia game, he comes off a little pin down, curl, three, in rhythm, look good. Like, he can get a few more of those. And I think that's where you start to have this cooks in the kitchen thing where there's a lot of guys on this team that can score the basketball and that know they can score the basketball, but how do we set it up in a way where we're getting the most efficient looks and and getting guys going in the right spot. So, but I was really impressed with those two. I think that's a, it's a big building block weekend for them where I think they learned a lot about themselves, learned they can play in these moments. And that's, that's pretty damn good to figure that out this early on. Yeah, the one thing with Sky, like, I mean, he's shooting, as you said, great from three, six of 14. But 14 of his 19 field goal attempts are from three, mm-hmm. and he's perfect from the free throw line. I, I feel like there's a there's an aggressiveness towards the rim that he could really help, right? Like that you get to the free throw line, you get to the rim, because he's strong, Mike. Um, I, I know he might not be as explosive as he was before the injury, but I've seen him dunk in pregames, like, I, I think that's his next step, which I think it's maybe a good thing that he's not forcing things yet. But at some point, Brad Underwood keeps saying we need him to be more aggressive. Um, the fact that he's still got that left in his game and he's poised, like that's encouraging, but that's the next step probably. Yeah, and I think you see a lot of times with guys that have the type of athleticism that Sky has. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, what he once was as an athlete because part of that is a is a hurdle mentally that you got to get over like hey no I am still that guy and a lot of those guys that are really good athletes and if they go through an injury if they don't have skill to fall back on then they really struggle and I think Sky probably more than anybody on that team is operates off of two feet in the paint but literally better than anybody and you saw it UCLA he lands on two feet, pivots over, kind of does that scoop over his head off the backboard, finishes strong in transition for the and one. He can do that. And I think he's just trying to find himself now where, you know, I, like there's a lot of opportunities and I, I won't get into all of them because it's just, I, I think it's vast. And I think he's, he's a guy that is going to continue to learn that as he goes uh, throughout the season. But yeah, I, he's a guy that you want at the line. You notice when there's technical fouls, he's shooting the free throws. Like I, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. So how can we get him there? Because I think there's opportunities as much as there's designed actions for Terrence to get downhill, Ty Rogers to get downhill, all these other guys to get downhill. When you look at the guys, to me, 
you can get Sky going downhill. And and honestly, we'll we'll get it, we'll touch on this guy in a second too. But outside of maybe Sky and Jaden S, when you talk about ball handling, Matthew Meyer might be your third best <laughs> ball handler on the team. And I think there's an opportunity for him to to even get more involved or, or spin dribble into that kind of or Barkley as they like to call it, where you kind of back your guy guy down in the long post and operate out of there. We've seen him good at be good in there. So that's where this for this staff, it's hard, man. Like <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah, it's a good problem to have. Like you have all these options and man, it, it's it's great, but you also you also want to be really good at things and not just okay, just drawing up this here and there. So that's another thing with their offensive identity that they're going to continue to find is who who operates best in what spots and what yeah. actions can we continue to run to put us in their best position to get some easy buckets. So that's what I'm really interested to see as they continue to move forward. You mentioned ball handling. This team's been loose, right, with, with the ball, with decision-making a little bit. Um, and, and it seems like a lot of guys, you know, Coleman Hawkins has had turnover issues. Dane's had turnover issues. Melendez needs to tighten up that handle. Uh, Coleman, at times, great passer and facilitator, but he's gotten a little loose with it at times. Um, what did you see out of Matthew Meyer? Because UCLA was really good, really good. And then Brad Underwood, they were playing well with him on the court in the first half, and he said, maybe I should have gotten him back in a little earlier in the second half. Kind of like Sky, it's like I think he's trying to figure out his role with all these other guys. Like, what'd you see in Vegas from Matthew Meyer? A step forward, for sure. I think you you definitely saw a step forward. Not just him advancing his game, but him just being more comfortable and within the confines of what this team is, and finding out kind of where he lives within it. And you know, he had some big threes to start that game against UCLA and. Uh, and then even against Virginia, I thought I thought for the entire weekend he was great defensively. He has propensity still where he'll bite on some shot fakes and get out of position, but I thought he rebounded well. I, and I think he still poses such a threat. Even if shots aren't going in, he, he draws attention. Like These defenses are, are keyed on him, so they've continued to play off of that. And, um, you know, he's, he's knocking down free throws. I think he can finish stronger at the rim. He missed a lot of point-blank shots at the rim and, and those will fall too as he continues to get comfortable so I think you saw a steady uptick not only from Matthew Meyer but a lot of guys on his team and that's only going to bode well going forward because I do think when he's on the floor I don't know what the overall plus minuses are for the year but I do think when he's on the floor they look good man because they they he's big he can rebound um, he doesn't turn it over I think he's two to one assist to turn for the season and uh, look the, the shooting numbers that stuff's going to correct itself that stuff's going to continue to go up. So the fact he's doing all this other stuff, he's tightening it up defensively, he takes care of the ball, he rebounds. That's that's really all he care about. And that's going to – I think he's 18 minutes a game right now for the yeah. year. That's going to go up. Right. So I think as that goes up too, you're going to see him kind of piece it all together. And just like we talked about with Terrence, when Terrence isn't going, that's another guy that, that can win you a game. Mike, what was the difference besides the opponent because I think Virginia's awesome defensively. UCLA, I think that's their issue. What was the difference in veteran versus younger team? UCLA's got a lot of young pieces around, Hawkes and, and Campbell. What was the difference of ending the second half of, of the UCLA game and the ending of the Virginia game? Well, for one, it wasn't as tight at the end of that UCLA game. They kind of they blew it open a little bit late. And then it got into kind of foul mode. and But... 
late against Virginia, look, there's a that's the reason why Tony Bennett's one of the better coaches in America. I mean, what he takes away offensively, what he takes away defensively. And, and there were a couple times, too, you could tell they were wanting to get into certain actions. And I'll break it down on the film. But one, at least from my purview, Jade Epps completely broke off. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was going to get to Terrence Shannon going downhill with his left hand. And you could see Terrence inching towards the top of the key like he was going to get it. And Jaden just rejected and, and went into to a floater. Um Look, that's that's a learning experience. I think it's a learning experience for the staff. It's a learning experience for these guys because we talk about that all the time. We talked about it in the preseason pod was, okay, you got all these guys who know they're capable scorers, who know they can be a guy. So what hap- what like what the hell happens late? We'll see. And we saw it against Virginia. It was it was super clunky. It was just is it you? Is it me? Is it And I think part of that is going to be maybe actions that are drawn up, which you could tell you know, Brad was drawing up actions. It's just staying disciplined and executing them and not getting carried away in the moment. And um, that's going to be something that they can continue to fine tune because you're going to have plenty of games in Big Ten play where it's coming down to one, two, three possessions. And you got to manufacture good looks. You got to stay disciplined. So, like I said, we'll break it down on the film, but uh, they had Dane in there too. And we'll, we'll touch on that, I'm sure. So that alters the way that you do some of your things offensively and defensively. So, you know, game by game, it's going to be on the fly, I think, for the staff. Because it's you have enough players to have five kind of rise to the top and be guys that you want in at the end of the game, depending on game script and who's played well. And they're going to have to continue to manage that because it was pretty set in stone over the past couple of years, late game, who you had in there. Yeah. So, so Mike, what's your – I guess my takeaway from this is it's a talented team, and they got a lot of depth. Um and it's still got a little bit of gelling left to do. And, I, you know, I thought Brad Underwood made a good point of, you know, the end of the game, he's still learning this team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and he's he's got to figure it out. So what what's – as the staff gets back, what do you think they're talking about? How are they feeling about their team? Well, you got to feel good, right? You go in there, you have a really good showing in Vegas against, like we said, one of the top MTs, if not the top MT in America. And – you can at least sit down and say, okay, we've got a guy, Terrence. I mean, Terrence, when mm-hmm. his name's called, when his number's called, he's a guy that can deliver um, on a big stage in big moments. He doesn't run from it. We got freshman, check, who we can throw in, we feel confident about. And you're still bringing Ty Rogers along too. Yeah. And it's just finding out, okay, offensively, who do we want to be? And how much does that change? Because Look, quite frankly, towards the end of that game, they couldn't take Dane Danger out. Mm-hmm. And we talked all offseason about five out and switching one through five. The more you play Dane Danger, the less that's going to happen. So you have this thought in your head of this is the team that we're going to be, and it's probably going to be a little bit more towards the middle than it is just completely being the switch one through five. And you're going to be able to sprinkle that in, and that's a good problem to have because that means Dane's doing a lot of good things that impact winning. And that's something you got to figure out. And then it's just finding out how to get some of these other guys more comfortable, right? Or playing their role. I'll touch on RJ Melendez quickly. Yep. I I, I don't I don't care about anything else other than you cannot play forty five minutes in Las Vegas and have one rebound. You can't. I I I, I don't know for a fact if that's going to be addressed, but I 
95% chance that's being addressed in some way, shape, or form. And I think RJ just, he just needs to simplify his game right now. And, and, and some guys, they can take that as an insult. And it's really just, hey, how can we maximize who you are as a player? Yeah. And for RJ right now, it's a few things. It's um, lights out, catch and shoot. I'm going to be one of the best cutters on this team. I'm going to be a menace on the offensive glass. I have the length. I have the, off, the you know, the athletic ability. You know, and then I'm going to guard. And, and that's that should be all he focuses on. Yeah. All he focuses on. Because I think that's the way to unlock RJ Melendez and not feel like I got to catch it, put it on the deck. And like, I'm not sure his handle's there yet to do that, to be able to really get by guys. So, and we talked about in the preseason pod too. This is one of the things that I mentioned. What he was last year to that team, there's a lot of guys that look like that now and that possess that. So are you doing the tough things? If you go back and listen to that pod, yep. are you doing the tough things? Because that's what's going to keep you in the game. We have guys that can knock down some shots. We have guys that can, you know, do, you know, be good defensively. Like if you just want to be okay defensively, we have other guys that can that can do that as well. So that's going to be where he learns. And I think it's as a staff, you want to because you got to remember Luke Goody's coming back at some point. Mm-hmm. So something's got to give there. Cause I know for a fact that Luke Goody's going to play. And in these moments now, and this is this is why coaching is a really really tough job because there's all these expectations and guys oh I'm you know RJ sees all these guys leave and now it's man who am I on this team and you should be really and I'll tie it back in here you should be really happy with what you did in Las Vegas because you showed that you can compete with some of the best teams in the country Virginia is one of the best teams in the country mm-hmm. you showed you compete with that team and you have so much to work on yeah like so much to work on. So, so overall, you should be thrilled. But there's, like I said, there's going to be a lot of stuff that they address this week. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I think what we got to remember is like RJ Melendez didn't play a lot last year, right? Didn't didn't play yeah. a lot in big games. Um, Coleman Hawkins played some in big games, right? And that certainly has helped. But he's still got to find his consistency as a college basketball player, right? Like the first half, he was bad, right? Yeah. In, in Vegas, second half looked like a top forty-five NBA draft pick. Um, so those guys still have to find their way that's why going back to the freshmen it's really impressive what they did and what they have been doing so far this season so um yeah the fact that like you still feel like you got a ways to go and you almost which they do yeah and you almost won that tournament yeah you i mean the reality is i'm not speaking in hyperbole you have one of the most talented teams in the country there's no there's a reason why all these NBA draft experts, they're talking about not just one guy, they're talking about four guys, they're talking about five guys. And if you don't mind, I'd love to touch on Coleman yeah. for a second because cool. I've been really impressed with Coleman. And I think, you know, you have to look at the full picture here. Think about all that he's being asked to do, right? I mean, he's the point of attack at 6'10 in the press, right? He's, you know, he's The reason you can switch one through five is because of Coleman Hawkins. He's frequently guarding smaller guards, um, quicker guards, and uh, he's initiating a lot of what you do offensively. The reason you can play five out is because of Coleman Hawkins. And he's able to, you're able to, to flow your offense through him, and he moves the ball. He has seven assists the other night. He has three blocks the other night. 
Um, he, him and Sincere up top against UCLA really changed that game and flipped the momentum. And um, you know, you're talking about a guy that's shooting over 40% from three, positive assist to turnover ratio, leads the team in steals, um, second in blocks, and altering a lot more shots as well. So, you know, sometimes like I see some stuff floating around out there about Coleman Hawkins, and it like kind of pisses me off because <laughs> there's a lot that he does for this team. And the way that the reason why this team is this team and can do some of the things that they do is because of him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think sometimes what you look and what you see is, oh, like, cause he, he's, he can take some risks sometimes. I'll say that. Like when UCLA was up 12 and they throw it into Bona in the post and Coleman helps from the ball side down on Bona and he just kicks it right back out to Hawkins for a three to make it a 15 point game. Those are the mistakes you can't make. When you're when you standing at the top of the key and you eye a guy down and try to throw a bounce pass all the way through the lane like you did against Virginia, gets picked off. Those are the mistakes you can't make. Some of their guys aren't willing to make those, you know, gambles. So when they happen, I think you think, oh my God, Coleman, what like what a horrible pass or what a bad defensive breakdown. Well, if you're gonna do that, there's probably 15 other times in the game where he's doing, you know, making the right read offensively, doing the right thing defensively. He's a catalyst for this team, man. Like, he is a catalyst because without him, you cannot do all those things you want to do. So I want to speak my piece there on on Coleman Hawkins because there's a reason why there's a lot of draft experts that are excited about him. Yeah, no, like, in, in Mike, sometimes I think the thing that made me angry more than the turnovers was him passing up shots early, yes. right? Like, And then what I liked, even though he didn't make any of them in the first half against Virginia, is there was no hesitation. Um, that that's how they need him, Sky to be. Of course, you got to move the ball. You don't want guys hunting their own shots, but within the form of the offense, like those two guys should have the green light. They they've earned it, uh, and, and they're both capable. And he does so many little things well for them. Like we'll get to sincere Harris deserves a ton of credit for changing the UCLA game. Coleman was a part of that too, and, oh, yeah. and, and Coleman was huge in Illinois getting the lead uh, against Virginia as well. So um, I thought at times he was the best player on the court for Illinois. I agree, and I, I think too the you you talk about the passing up shots. I, I what he'll continue to learn is when you're playing five out like that. You know, picture he comes and sets a reverse ball screen and pops to the top of the key, right? If you catch that and you shot fake and put it on the ground, and you're putting it on the ground not to necessarily go by someone and get to the rim, you're just putting it on the ground. You've eliminated two things. You've probably eliminated the shot that you could have took. And you've also eliminated the advantage that you have on the backside for, you know, really a three on two. And that's where you could tell in the Virginia games, he's starting to, he's starting to figure it out a little bit. It's a, he has, and it's, again, it's why it's his job is tough because he's doing so many things as the pop guy there. He has to have quick reactions. You know, Steph Curry talks about all the time. Like you want to have, make a decision in half a second, whatever it may be, because at least you're getting the defense moving. So either catching it, in rhythm and shooting it like hey you're shooting 41% from three right now believe that in yourself knock those shots down and two if you don't have it it's a quick boom let's exploit the advantage on the backside it may it may not lead directly to a shot but you get a team in rotation and, and now you're getting Terrence Shannon Matthew Meyer these guys with size and speed at the rim so that's just another step for him so I say that to say as we continue to talk about this team think about all the things we're highlighting right now that can even they can even take it a step further. And they're, you know, I look at that Virginia team that's like, that's very close to the Virginia team you're going to see in March. Yeah. Very close. I don't think this Illinois team is 
anywhere near you know what they can be in March. Now a lot of stuff. Look beyond the talent that you have. There's plenty of teams that have been talented over the years that things happen in the locker room. Guys are you know upset about roles and shots and like those are also the things you gotta you know deal with yeah. because over the years it hasn't really mattered because you had Kofi and it's, we're gonna throw it into Kofi. We're gonna get into Kofi. If it's not Kofi, it's Trent. It's not Trent. It's Io. A couple years back. So yeah, man, I, I I'm impressed with Coleman and his team for sure is gonna go out. He goes. Uh, two favorites of, of the fans, understandably so, are Dane Danger, who's been better than I think any of us thought, and then Sincere Harris, man. What a spark plug. So just thoughts on those two guys through five games. Yeah, look, I touched on it. Dane's making this staff, I think, rethink a lot of things. Um, they want to play a certain way, and Dane, in, and I say this in the best way possible, is preventing them from doing that. <laughs> and you could see moments in that Virginia game where – I think maybe they wanted to get him out because late game you want to do more five out, probably switch, <clears throat> and he fakes the handoff and dunks it. And yeah, it's every single time it felt like he was going to get subbed out. He did something positive, or he altered a shot, or he got a big rebound. So been really impressed with him. I think too. <clears throat> last game was the first game I thought he looked a little bit rushed in the post, and. I do think he's a capable passer, but I also think too. <clears throat> excuse me. The, you know, there was a a, time, a point in time in the Virginia game where they threw the ball into him, and you had a guy cutting the lane. You had Coleman come down. Like you got to give him space to operate down there. Because not only that, you give him options for outlets. Everybody was crammed in like a five foot radius. So, been really impressed with him, and I think he's going to continue to grow. I mean, Fran Fraschilla said it on the broadcast. Or he might have tweeted it, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, just he can lead the Big Ten in rebounds. Mm-hmm. He can't look. Dane is. It's probably going to be more about his per forty numbers, very similar to like a Zach Eady, where you know the, the production he's having early on like this. Look, teams are going to start keying on things, and we talk about it all the time with him. Like the one thing that can't be sacrificed is his motor, and dives on the floor late in that game against Virginia. He, even in the UCLA game, throws his body around and just his length bothers guys, tipped out of bounds. So that's the thing that's got just got to be non-negotiable with him. It may not look like 16-8 and eight mm-hmm. for the rest of the season, but he's going to have games like that, and he's going to have games where you just need him to have that motor. And then Sincere, look, I don't think there's going to be a single game this year that Sincere plays 25 and 30 minutes. Right. And... I think I tweeted it during the game on Friday. When you have a guy that you – he's not even really low usage. He's no usage um, in, in certain parts of the offense, right? You don't need him to be. So to be able to have a guy like that where you can deploy him in this game where he was pretty deliberately put in there with 17 and a half minutes left in the second half. Or to, hey, we need a spark. Let's get into guys. And that's about one of the more experienced college best college point guards in America, in Tiger Campbell. And he just looked rattled. And not only that, he took the ball from Hami Hawkins too. So Derek Piper I found think, the stat, Mike. That was the first game of his career. Tiger Campbell's four year career. He had five plus turnovers. <laughs> not surprising against his team, man. Not surprising. And it was just and it wasn't even like Hey, these are bonehead moves by Tiger Campbell. Yeah. It was just, it was sweltering. It was 
it was like they truly those were forced turnovers and you see the looks that they generated and I, I think he's a great changeup to throw in there and he's a great asset to have and look he's not going to play a ton this season right. he's just not and but to have a guy like that that you can put in and say all right let's let's muck it up you know like let's just and he did he flipped that game and like like we talked about Coleman was a big reason for that too but to have a guy like that and we talked about before on the pod but foul trouble happens injuries happen and for this to be your ninth ish guy it's a good position to be in. i think it speaks to the talent of the team yeah. uh mike virginia the foul discrepancy uh they had 25 made free throws to illinois four i didn't have a huge problem with the officiating um unlike the illinois michigan football game um uh, i like i thought some of them were illinois got vertical maybe some of those were, were touchy but uh, Illinois didn't really seem to attack. Uh, well, Virginia did, right? And was there? How does Illinois clean that up defensively um, to to not foul as much? Because they certainly have been doing that. Yeah, there's just not a lot of driving lanes against a team like Virginia. So what you can trick yourself into is, oh, I got some airspace on a three because I may not get a better opportunity, and then you fall right into their trap. They want you to take semi-contested threes because I think they believe that they're, you're not going to make enough to beat them and contrastingly you saw in the game against Baylor they took 14 threes mm-hmm. they don't take a ton of threes they you know their, their whole idea and we'll show it on the film and this is how Tony Bennett designs their offense is we're going to get pair action we're going to clear out the backside help I talk, I, I tweeted a million times I think over the I think I've tweeted four times this season is like these guys got to be loaded up. Like you got to be on the helpline and you got to understand. And I know the staff talked about it for sure. You got to understand that that's what they're designing their offense to do. Play with the ball in the middle of the floor, go pairs actions, big and little cross. Now you got to sprint over the top and deny it. And then they swing it to the other side and rip drive. And because you're denying on the other side, there's no low man. That's why Clark gets two layups in the beginning of the game. We'll show that in the film, but it's why he gets that. It's why a guy at 5'9 can just dribble into the paint and lay it in because they deliberately clear out the backside. They deliberately clear out that low man. So that was part of it. They were they were just able to get to the rim more. And even when they did get to the rim, there weren't as many Illinois bodies as there were Virginia bodies when Illinois went to the rim. So, you know, and part of that too, I thought, I thought they shot fake better around the rim you know there's Illinois has got great athletes I think part of it's safe dribble in mm-hmm. off of one foot you go off of one foot it's really hard to get fouls called a lot of those Virginia guys Beekman Franklin those guys they go off two feet Gardner goes off two feet yep. and you're much more likely to get yourself to the line part of that I know there were some fouls late but they just do such a good job of making you guard for 20 25 seconds where's the you know, where's the void at? Exploit it, you know, and that's what's impressive about them. And now they have they got dudes to do it. They had a little yeah. dip in talent over the years and now I think they're they're putting it together with this team. They're they're a final four caliber team. So Mike, Illinois comes back, they get Lindenwood before Syracuse and then uh, I think another game then Texas, right? So uh, some time here between games. What do you think this the staff is working on uh, to take the next step? I mean Syracuse is 
not a great team so far this year, but certainly going to be a, a different kind of defensive test. Yeah, I think just cleaning up a lot of the late game stuff. And part of that's not just cleaning it up. It's figuring out who you want to be late game and who you want to go to. And I'm not even sure you can figure that out after one real late game um, scenario against Virginia. I think that's going to continue to play out throughout the season. Uh, but at least you have something to work off of here. And and then just continuing to, to tighten things up defensively and, um, you know, offensively figuring out, okay, if we can't get things going downhill, how can we continue to shift the defense to, you know, run some things that um, can get us some generous, some high percentage looks. So, uh, look, Lindenwood, I, I think they're going to be a little bit better than some of the teams that you played early on. Like, I think they'll be better than Eastern. Yeah. I think they'll be better than Monmouth. Um and then Syracuse, look, Syracuse, that's a test I'm really excited about because you're kind of a fish out of water playing against that team. They zone, they get you stagnant. I think they're out, you know, Illinois' outside shooting is going to be tested. Uh, but I also think the, the way to exploit that Syracuse zone, you have a lot of guys you can put in the middle of that zone. A ton of guys that you can throw in there that can operate. Uh, you know, I picture Ty Rogers, right? I think I would circle Ty Rogers as like a, guy that can make a big impact in that Syracuse game. He's a guy you can throw in the middle of that zone. You throw it into him, turn face. Now you're three on two. He's able to make reads, floaters. Meyer can do the same thing. Coleman Hawkins can do the same thing. Dane Danger could even do the same thing. And, um, you know, cycling guys into that middle of that zone. And, um, you know, and Joe Girard, like they're, they got guys on this team that have been in college basketball for a while. And um, it'll be a good test. I mean, I know Syracuse, I think they got – face old Andre Curbelo today um, in St. John's, but um, I know they've, they've struggled a little bit early on, but they're a team that they're, they're liable to, to beat anybody. Um, so you got to be able to protect home court and, um, you know, hopefully get, you know, continue to just get better game to game with the little things um, and understand this is, this is the process, man. So this is going to continue to uh to be something they got I can build on. Before I let you go, Mike, you brought him up. I'm glad you did. Because I haven't mentioned him yet. Ty Rogers didn't really make an impact, right? Uh out in mm-hmm. Vegas. Typical freshman stuff, right? Um but what do you think he takes away from that? What, what's the staff telling him? Yeah, part of it's a rhythm thing, man. He got two fouls early. Um maybe in both games. Um and it's just hard. You know, once you get those two fouls early that's more opportunity for somebody to play in the game and maybe a staff sticks with that guy and it's hard to insert yourself back in the lineup in the second half and rotations shrink in the second half. So um, I, that's another, you know, you look at him, he's another guy that you, you want to get going. And it's another reason why you can be optimistic if you're an Illinois fan or if you're this Illinois staff is look, we got a lot of guys that still need to get up to speed and yeah. feel comfortable about their game and confident in their game. And I think you're just going to continue to hit a new level. But like I said with Ty, you can never tell with him. It's the same thing with the rest of the freshmen. You can never tell if he's having a bad game, if he's having a good game. He's just, his motor just goes. And then I, I also like to see it too. You know, he's one of the first guys jumping up off the bench and not just kind of woe is me. And I think part of that is he's secure in who he is um, and what his game is. Uh, like his game's never gonna be predicated on like ah, I'm looking up at the score. Well, I got six points. I gotta get. I gotta get to twelve. Like he knows that's not him. Yeah. And I think there's a comfort in that and um, a security in that. And he's gonna continue to take 
steps. And luckily it's not like a, Hey, we need him putting the ball in the basket and so that he feels good about himself. You just need him out there, yep. you know, and you're going to need to count on him in, in different moments throughout the year. And we still haven't had the Ty Rogers game. It may not come until big 10 play. I don't know, but it's going to happen for sure. Yeah. He's, he's very low maintenance. It feels like. Yeah, and a even, lot of these guys are. Yeah, Jaden and and Sky seem that I'm sincere knows exactly what his role is. Like, it seems pretty rare. Like, so in recruiting, you, you talk about character and all those things. Like, it seems like that mattered, and like the staff did a good job of that because I think even Bill Self knows. Like, man, maybe nowadays in college basketball, the the sweet spot is like 30 through 60. And if you can land a bunch of those guys who who are bought into developing and playing a role, like boy you can you can be pretty good pretty early on and not to worry about a lot of things that some of these five star loaded teams have to worry about yeah and the 30 you the 30 through 60 range the second you said that it just triggered something in my mind where think about that range right you have one of two guys most likely a guy that was a higher ranked recruit that maybe slipped guy people have written off a little bit that has something to prove when he comes into college or you have a guy that exploded and was on the rise and, and made it into that range. I think a few of those guys fall into that category, but I think the common denominator is most of those guys have won. Like they won in high school. And I think they know what it takes to win. And, um, you know, it seems like the, part of it with Tim too, Tim Anderson and, and Chester, like those, those are real relationships and you know who you're getting. It's not just, hey, let's go out. We talked about before, hey, go get go get the three four star because it's a four star. Go get the five star because it's a five star. Um, they were deliberate with that. And, and even with the transfers, right? Like I think back to Terrence Shannon and that that performance that he had on Friday night, it reminded me of Io in a way. And the one game that I'm gonna bring up. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get this one get this one off before we we hopped off because yeah. I thought about it on Friday night. February 2021 at Nebraska. I like it's a game that doesn't get talked about much when you talk about the full scope yep. of Iowa Sumu, but you are playing an 0 and 8 Nebraska team in conference. They you're the number six ranked team in the country. This like you cannot lose this game. Yes. I understand it's I understand it's Nebraska. You cannot lose this game. And you know, you're down six with two and a half minutes left. And from that point on and into overtime, Iowa scores 17 points. Yep. And just and just shuts the door. 73-70. They call a timeout, draw a play up, he hits a pull-up game. 75-70 over. And I'm watching the game against UCLA and they were different performances. I mean, Terrence had eight threes, but you still said the same thing. And it was glad we got that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, it's like, like I'm assuming if you're another fan base, you're like, God, it'd be nice to have one of those. Right. Yeah. And you have them. And it only has had those guys over the past few years. So I think it's, it's, it's obviously fun to watch, but it's, you know, the, seeing them put the pieces to the puzzle together in real time and gel. Like that's, that's been fun too. It is the most talented, deepest team I've covered, and it's not even close to what it could yeah. be. 100%. And and you see in different ways, too, just how this team is able to dig themselves out of, dig themselves out of different holes because of the way that they play. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that margin for error being smaller last year. And when you have 
you know, Kofi and you play a certain style, you don't full court press. I mean, late last year, I'm thinking about two losses in conference, Rutgers at Rutgers, right? You got down, you couldn't climb back into it. Purdue at Purdue, you got down, you couldn't climb back into it. And then the one time you did climb back into it, you know, I, it, Kofi fouls out Coleman's at the five and you're pressuring Ohio State and you you get a shot to to win it essentially. So you're able to play differently for sure. And you're able to to have a little bit more margin for error and you saw that against UCLA, and we'll break that down in the film. Yeah, Great stuff. Michael Tuop, man. Talk to you next week. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff, as always, from Michael Tuop. We'll have another podcast later this week. I'll weigh in on Brandon Hansen committing to Illinois in the class of 2024. We'll focus more on Illinois football. Might not have a you know intel on Northwestern this week um, because it's Thanksgiving week. Plus, there's not a lot of media that cover Northwestern football anymore. So, um We'll see on that. I'm not going to guarantee it, but at some point, I think Joey Wagner and I will get on the podcast uh, and talk about Illinois Northwestern recruiting in the offseason that is ahead. We'll definitely have an offseason preview at some point. I've been working on a lot of stuff with that on the site uh, here coming up, so I have way more on that because the month ahead for Illinois football is going to be intense. you got the Landon Lincoln Trophy game trying to end the year with your first eight-win season, first winning Big Ten season since 2007. And then it's transfer portal window. Yeah, those new windows, that opens up on December 5th. And, of course, you got a lot of recruiting stuff going on with early signing period in late December, right before the bragging rights game, right before Christmas. Uh, so it's going to be a busy month ahead for, for Illinois football recruiting, a bunch of official visits coming up, JUCO guys, transfer guys. It's going to be intense. So we'll have more on that uh, coming up later on the Alana Inquirer podcast and, of course, Alana Inquirer. And it's a good time, again, to sign up for the VIP membership. 75% off. Just go to the site. we got a story posted. Got plenty of links uh, if you want to sign up for that now. Until next time, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.